I am Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Dhani the podcast. In his previous career he was a professional drummer performing all over the UK and Europe. And then he moved on to train himself from the prestigious British School of Osteopathy as an osteopath. Jonathan Jovila our guest today specializes in postural alignment and pain management and also happens to be a lecturer at the Royal School of Music talking about stress management whilst performing the importance of correct posture and injury prevention Hi Jonathan Hello how are you Very well. Thank you for being on Dhani. My pleasure. Nice to be here. A long time. Haven't seen you in a while now. Indeed, indeed. We'll have to catch up soon. <laughs> Surely. Um when I came to you, um yeah. if you remember correctly, um I was seething with pain. Indeed. So to begin with, how would you describe pain to the common man? Um I mean it's quite a well it's a massively complicated area but um the way I explain it I think the best way to do it really is to sort of explain it in a way how I would explain it to my patients um and mm-hmm. you know we I sort of in in many cases consider that you know there's there's sort of different types of pain you have the type of pain that obviously is caused by tissue damage so you know if you fall and hurt yourself or you know uh, pull a muscle tear a muscle something like this um you know you would you would feel pain as a result of that and that can be obviously due to the tissue damage and also uh, you know uh, due to your body basically trying to protect a certain area as well so you know from this area that you've you've cause injury to um you know messages will be sent up to your brain your brain sort of perceives it in a certain way to basically create the concept of pain so that you're then careful and you you know you reduce movement perhaps through the affected area um and you know obviously give yourself time to to heal up so that's, that's obviously one type of pain um there are other types you know you you sort of consider the idea of the the nervous system almost kind of um creating pain where there may not be actually any tissue damage at all this kind of gets a little bit a bit more complicated and there's there's lots of sort of different reasons for this that you know some some to do with um psychological aspects um and obviously how how the nervous system becomes very hypersensitized with certain conditions and certain types of illness as well can cause this um often i explain to my patients that you know pain really is just your body's kind of alarm system um uh you know to to sort of say that you know we need to be aware of of something and actually sometimes even when i see people with really really serious pain it's not necessarily a reflection of how seriously they may have hurt themselves it could just be for example muscular spasm to kind of protect an area which can be extremely painful but relatively little actual damage so it's about understanding and i think educating you know i i try and sort of help my patients understand this because often you know these these sort of um just thoughts that people have and how they perceive the pain and how they understand what it is can be the first step to actually uh, potentially reducing pain that they may be feeling. Hmm. So when you say that it's the body's um 
alarm system that goes on, how do you identify um, who or what the culprit is? Because sometimes, as you're saying, it could be a muscular pain and sometimes yeah. it's an emotional pain. Absolutely. How do you differentiate between the two well i mean it's again it's you know i'm probably going to say this multiple times but it's quite it can be quite complicated you know anything really mm. to do with you know perception and you know um how we sort of uh, feel things is an extremely complex area um but you know i i think the way i'm trained as an osteopath you know i i kind of I'm trained to kind of ask lots of questions, you know, at the beginning. So, you know, someone may come and see me. Um, I go through a full case history. I, I can sort of ask lots of questions that will really drill down into maybe how the pain started in the first place. You know, the type of pain they're feeling, the nature of it, you know, um, whether it, um, it is made worse by doing certain activities, whether it's made better by doing certain activities. Um, and all of these questions, they're just kind of little pieces of the puzzle. But gradually, as I go through a consultation with someone, I, I, I start to understand, um, you know, a little more about maybe what is potentially causing the pain and obviously what what, what are the, the sort of triggers that may be making it worse. You know, you start to understand the source. So, you know, like I said earlier, if, you know, if you say, if you came in and saw me and, you know, you were in pain because then when, when I asked the question, turns out that you'd, um, you know, I don't know, slept in a funny position, for example, woke up the next day with a, you know, a very painful neck, then obviously we can kind of attribute it to a certain event. Um, you know, often things get more complicated where, you know, I, this phrase, you know, no apparent reason for no apparent reason. You know, someone will just say, well, I've just got this pain. It's just started. I've never had it before. It's just come on for no apparent reason. And I don't understand why. That's when things get a little more complex. But again, you start to kind of unravel. And the, the history taking for me is the absolute kind of crux of like almost everything I do. That's where, the, you know, we, we start to kind of understand um, so much about the person and how, how they are different from other people and how they use their bodies and all of these things. As I say, just pieces of the puzzle that start to kind of... Uh, you know give us give us some of this information mm -hmm. so um i am assuming that the, the the your clientele basically comprises of people who have been referred by the gp um no not? not always not always at all um i mean you know in this country um you know, osteopathy is a complementary um, healthcare practice. So, you know, we we kind of we're not an alternative um, form of healthcare. So we're very much, you know, we're we're sort of well, we'd be classified as primary healthcare as well. So people often mm, will come to mm. see us first, maybe before they've even been to see their GP. Um, you know, I I do sometimes get people coming saying that you know maybe another healthcare practice practitioner like a GP or someone else may have sort of said we think it you know what what you're experiencing is musculoskeletal and that you know we'd recommend you see someone like an osteopath so then maybe they do come to me mm. but I think more and more these days people come to people like myself as a first port of call because you know people know their bodies generally speaking um you know they're, mm. they're um they're, they're sort of able to you know think okay you know something doesn't feel quite quite right 
it probably is a musculoskeletal thing. I'll go to the osteopath because, you know, maybe they'll be able to help. I mean, sometimes, obviously, there are cases where I, I, I may have to refer the patient on, you know, maybe back to a GP or back to another healthcare practitioner if there are further tests that need to be done. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it, things, things are, you know, as I say, seem to be changing more in terms of people coming here first. <clears throat> in my personal experience uh, every uh -huh. time i've gone to um a physician or you know i've always been um, prescribed drugs and i run away from them like a mad yeah, person sure. so for <laughs> sure and as you're saying it's um it, it works on an individual basis because it's it's really what <clears throat> what you know as you know your body and you know your system and what are you looking for in more in, in terms of treatment because Absolutely. with experience you kind of learn that you know every time you'll go to a physician they're probably going to give you drugs and in my case they would always suggest uh um a, a small you know it's a small dose of antidepressants oh hello no i yeah, can't yeah. i can't so, you know it, it's just been blindly running towards uh osteopathy what Indeed. is the, the 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 difference between osteopathy and uh, and a chiropractor? So between you and a chiropractor. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, we you know the osteopaths, chiropractors, and physiotherapists. Because I think it's important to kind of mention them as well. We we you know mm -hmm. we're all um, quite similar. So the three practices are quite similar. You know, we share mm -hmm. techniques. Um, we do quite similar types of techniques. Um, you know, uh, we're ultimately treating musculoskeletal um, type conditions. Um, you know, and to be honest, it, it you know the lines are quite blurred between all three. You know, um, some chiropractors work a bit more like osteopaths. Some osteopaths work a bit more like physios. You know, I guess traditionally uh -huh. speaking, uh -huh. you know, the physios, and this is, you know, very broad. So traditionally speaking, physios tend to use um, physical therapy, exercise therapy as, as one of their sort of main sort of go-to elements. Um, osteopaths, um, you know, we, we're quite hands-on. So, you know, lots of kind of um, sort of manual therapy, um, you know, uh, uh, we, you know, pride ourselves, I guess, on kind of developing our palpation skills, so our ability to, you know, to kind of feel things, feel changes in muscle tissue, uh, you know, uh, joints, all these type of things, you know, as we're kind of working on on a patient. Um, and also, I guess, mm. osteopaths, we try and kind of consider um, the person as a whole, so quite a sort of holistic approach. You know, really mm. trying to sort of understand what someone uh, does in their day to day life, how they use their body, you know, the, the things that they're going through emotionally, physically, um, all of these different things and how they can potentially have an effect on the health of the, the body, basically. And then chiropractors. Um, you know, quite similar, as I say, to, to sort of to the others, but um, tend to be more about the, the sort of spinal alignment and, um, you know, nerves exiting from the spine and the relationship between, um, you know, what's happening from, from that point of view in regards to the rest of the body. But like I said, these days, mm -hmm. the, the, the lines are so kind of like, crossed over. And, you know, you can see some mm -hmm. fantastic chiropractors, um, you know, fantastic osteos and physios, or terrible of all three. <laughs> you know, there are lots, oh. of, lots of sort of variation. <laughs> I think. Um, so, you know, one thing I, a colleague of mine sort of, we were talking about this actually quite recently because it's such a common question. 
is actually half the time it comes down to, um, you know, just a personal connection that you might have with your practitioner, you know, where you feel comfortable with them, you feel that they understand you, they understand what you need. And, you know, um, um, basically, you feel, yeah, that, that sort of, as I say, some sort of connection there. And that could be with an osteophysio or a chiropractor. So, yeah, that's that's how I'd answer that, basically quite long and drawn out. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you because it is really the comfort level also. Mm. And that only gets established uh, over time. Absolutely. Uh, as you're I mean, you obviously have a sort of first impression of someone and, you know, there are, there are some, some, um, some uh, therapists that do, for example, very, very short treatments. You know, they may see you just for 10 minutes um, at a time some that do much longer treatments. So, you know, these things can have an effect because, you know, quite often, particularly if patients have quite complex um, medical histories, you know, maybe that, that sort of sense of just being there for 10 minutes, you, you know, you don't feel like you're kind of necessarily being understood and listened to as much as you'd like. So that might be wrong for you. Do you see what I mean? Um, other people like mm -hmm. it, you know, and mm -hmm. they, they just feel that just, sure. you know, a couple of techniques and they feel better for it. So, um, you know, it very, it very much depends. Yeah, it's all relative. It's all relative. Absolutely. So talking about relativity, again, coming back to a really broad umbrella, but then what are the, say, the, 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 the top three um, basic tools for pain management that kind of just pop up in your head? For pain management? Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's an interesting one. So, I mean, if we, you know, if we keep it very basic, and very kind of broad rather than talking about specific conditions because you know it will just get mm. too complicated basically but you know i guess for pain management um for me and the way i work and the way i you know some of the, the sort of underpinning um concept of my business basically in my practice um number one in my opinion is um uh, basically a sense of understanding okay so you know i mm. I really want my patients to kind of understand what it is that's going on with their body, you know, to have that, that sense of kind of education um, within themselves, you know, why is it that I'm feeling the way I am, you know, why is it started and, you know, maybe what I can do to kind of get out of, uh, out of this, this situation or certainly manage it. Um, you know, if, I, it happens all too much where I, I see people that may have seen other types of practitioners, whoever they might be, and, you know, they may have been seeing them for quite a while. And I sort of say to them just, you know, out of curiosity, what was the, the sort of diagnosis? You know, what exactly are you being treated for? And so many times mm. I hear just it come coming back saying, oh, they haven't really said anything. You know, they haven't really given me a formal diagnosis. And, you know, I think mm. for me that that's that's the sort of a bit of a fundamental flaw. You know, how can you properly treat someone or expect to, um, you know, do as well as you can uh, with with someone as your patient? If you're not really, you know, you'd have no kind of concept of what's going on with them. So education is super important. I guess on a slightly different level, you know, in terms of pain management, you know, one of the most important things I would say is keep moving. Okay. It's like massive, massive thing. Mm, you know, mobility. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. If you've got two broken legs, I'm not expecting you to go for a walk. So, you know, obviously it kind of, there are sort of limits to this somewhat, but my, my, I guess my thing is, you know, within a relative pain-free range, keep as mobile as you possibly can. You know, we are, mm -hmm. 
dynamic creatures at the end of the day you know we are our bones muscles joints ligaments tendons everything you know circulatory system all functions um primarily you know with movement at its core in terms of helping these structures sort of you know stay healthy and tick over so absolutely keep mm. moving as best as possible um and you know mm. i'd say another thing to consider i guess number three um off the top of my head um is probably just I guess, listening to your own body a little bit, you know, um, mm. again, it's, mm. it's, you know, it's such an important sort of concept. And I think it, again, it's possibly slightly overlooked, but this idea that, you know, sort of being at one with your body, I know that sounds a bit sort of, uh, namby pamby but you know being at one with your body kind of i guess listening to you know if you feel really tired you know for example have a rest you know if something you're doing if you're playing football or something for example and every time you kick the ball you're getting a searing pain in your knee i would suggest you probably stop doing that until you've worked out what it is that's actually going on um you know, uh, but just this kind of, I guess, tuning in slightly more. I don't mean obviously becoming a, a complete hypochondriac, but, you know, it's more just that understanding. It kind of then brings you back to the first point, which is education. You know, you feel some pain. Why do you feel that pain? You know, is it because mm -hmm. actually yeah. you've hurt yourself and you need, it's something you need to kind of take a little more seriously? Or is it just a passing little niggle that ultimately, you know, we all feel from time to time, you know, like you've slept in a slightly dodgy position, feel a bit stiff, and ultimately you'll feel better within a day or two, probably. You know, mm -hmm. so there, there, are, there are kind of lots of, uh, you know, lots of things to consider. But I'd say three, those three things for me are, are really important. Integral, key, key for sure. Um, food, diet, food, nutrition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how 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 or how does that play in in your role of dealing with your patient well in terms of um, pain management because obviously some foods lead to inflammation then leads to absolutely. more pain and then it's like a vicious cycle so indeed indeed i mean firstly i should say that you know as as the type of osteopath i am i you know i'm not going to say that i am an expert in in nutrition i you know i don't hold a, a nutrition qualification or anything like that obviously i have a, a you know a sort of broad understanding of um you know a lot of the things that you just mentioned um you know in terms of the physiology of the body and how we react to certain things um so you know i i i I guess if some, if I had a patient that I thought was, you know, where nutrition was a serious kind of consideration and there were things that were going on that, that were having a kind of major impact on their, their body from, you know, from what they're putting in, I would be looking to, to refer them to, you know, to someone that I, I, you know, has that, that level of expertise. Um, you know, in terms of, I guess, just keeping it relatively broad. And these are some of the things we've talked about. Absolutely. That, you know, you know, it's massive in the press at the moment, sugar, you know, it's, it's one of the yeah. big, big issues with, with our, our diets these days. And we know that sugar ultimately has a huge impact on the body, um, you know, in terms of body wide inflammation, as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, amongst various other things and lots of disease processes mm -hmm. that are potentially, you know, heightened and, um, you know, make you more susceptible to. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, kind of understanding just in a broad, way in, in terms of my patients you know um i i i sort of like to know things you know you, you know you drinking too much caffeine for example you know you drinking 10 cups of coffee a day 
that's going to affect your sleep. That's going to affect your ability to ultimately repair and um, heal. You know, if you're if you're recovering from an injury, um, you know, all of these things. Mm. You know, everything you put into your body, of course, has an effect ultimately on the physiology of your body. Um, you know, something I find very interesting, actually. You know, the, going back to the, this idea of kind of sugar in your diet, and obviously it being a big thing in the in sort of press at the moment. Um, you know, is you put you eat lots of sweet things, you know, you, you, you sort of increase the, the, the general uh, levels of sugars in your blood. This actually has such an interesting effect on a physiological level. Um, just kind of basically mm. just increases the, um, the acid levels of your blood basically. Um, and as soon as that starts to happen, yep, that body wide inflammation, the lack of healing, the, you know, all of these kind of things, um, that, that sort of, uh, can be a result of that go up. You know, I think I, I read something ages ago that I always thought was quite interesting. I often mentioned this to my patients when we talk about food and drink and all the rest of it but you know you drink one can of coca-cola the amount of sugar that's in one can of that um i think requires something like 23 or 25 glasses of water to drink on top of it to basically bring your blood ph down to its kind of normal levels you know which and that's one oh, can can you imagine if you were drinking liters yeah. of it a day which some people do you know it's um you know, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Really interesting one. And really, I mean, as we were talking about alarm systems, this is the biggest culprit, the criminal. <laughs> sure <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, the problem is, you know, I mean, this is slightly off topic, but it does amaze me. You know, you walk into so many shops, you know, you go into petrol stations, wherever it might be, you know, and you're just surrounded by sugar. I mean, it's just like the amount of, you know, you, you just want a quick snack, for example, you just can't get away from it almost, you know, these, an idea of just yeah. having something vaguely healthy is in many cases almost impossible unless you go into a big supermarket or something. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it is a problem, but, you know, hopefully, you know, gradually things will change in our, in our society because, you know, it's, it costs the NHS and the health system vast amounts of money to kind of stay on top of the, 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 you know, what ultimately ends up happening to people if, if this stuff is abused, really. So true. It's not only a drain on an individual's health, but it's a drain on the system. Absolutely. Really, absolutely, absolutely, right. Yeah. And whilst so. we are... Um, whilst we are off topic, I was um, just, just staring off to um, your previous career, which was as a professional drummer. Oh, yeah. And so what made you move on to, to this? What happened? Um, oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, to be honest, I've, you know, for me, I've always had a, a big interest in science-based um, uh, sort of things, basically, since I was a kid. I've always been really fascinated by, you know, why things work, what, you know, why, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, basically anything to do with science has always interested me. Now, if we kind of go back years and years and years, when I was a teenager, I was um, 
potentially looking to um, actually start a career in forensic science. So this idea of kind of detective work, mm. and, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, um, I even went off and did um, like work experience with scenes of crimes officers and things in the police. I mean, it's really interesting stuff. Anyway, one thing led to another and, you know, music just pulled me, I guess, in, in a certain direction. Yeah. Having always been in, into music, you know, as a kid, and, um, you know, and obviously growing up and, um, I guess it got to a certain point, you know, I always thought, you know, towards my late twenties, just, you know, wanted something that I guess something a bit more than what I was doing at the time. Um, you know, it's, uh, being a professional drummer is fantastic when you're young, but it kind of gets to a point where being away and, you know, um, like a lack of family life and stability starts to take its toll eventually. Mm. And, um, mm. yeah, just, I guess my brain maybe was calling out for, for, for new knowledge perhaps. And, you know, it sort of almost went full cycle, this idea of, you know, maybe doing something where I had to work things out. You know, I, my, my, I think I like to do that. You know, I like to know why things are happening, you know, and that sort of analytical yeah. side. And um, I've seen osteopaths on and off since I was a kid with various, you know, silly injuries that I'd uh, done to myself and um, always just been quite interested. And yeah, went to an open day um, at the um, British School of Osteopathy in London and um, just thought it was really interesting. Thought, you know, I could see myself doing something like that and ultimately owning my own business in time to come, which I could continue until I was old and gray, basically. <laughs> so I guess that's what led me into it. Well, thank God for that, really. Thank God you did what you did. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Um, okay, just coming to my last question, probably yep. the most relevant one, okay. um, is... Um, the do's and don'ts and the hows and why's. Again, we don't have to go into too much detail of um, fibromyalgia. Okay. Because it's it is vague in so many ways, and it, they often physicians who just kind of can't um, diagnose or can't put the yeah. symptoms in in some sort of a uh, you know uh, under a heading. They yeah. often put it under fibromyalgia. So, yeah, what yeah. is your um, view on uh, on this oh again it's it's you know it's, fibromyalgia is one of these things it's such a broad um collection of symptoms isn't it so you know and which makes it so inherently difficult to to properly diagnose um you know the, mm. i think you could have 10 people with fibromyalgia and they'd all be showing sort of quite different symptoms and quite different um sort of patterns to to what they feel on a day-to-day -day basis which makes it really difficult so um, i'm not you know i'm not exactly surprised it, it you know it gets undiagnosed you know, gets left undiagnosed for such periods of time and sometimes, you know, kind of permanently because it might just be that you you end up seeing you just happen to see the right person that's able to kind of understand and, you know, sort of advise in the right way. I guess with the patients that I see with with um conditions like fibromyalgia, and I guess in a way I, you know, I sort of need to consider other in the same sort of um like under the same umbrella other chronic pain conditions um you know i was very lucky when i was training to um to work with um a specialist clinic that that did a lot of work with people that suffered from chronic pain um conditions of all types so from fibromyalgia to you know conditions that basically you know they couldn't even really put 
a, a label on it, if you like, other than just saying it's a chronic pain condition. Um, and, you know, there are certain things that I think I learned and saw kind of again and again that um, were really important, really important um, to consider anyway. Um, so, for example, I mean, you know, this is like one of the basic ones is good exercise, super, super important mm -hmm. to just keep up mm -hmm. as much gentle, regular exercise as you can. You know, there's fairly decent evidence to s suggest that, you know, good exercise with conditions like fibromyalgia can be really good at helping to manage pain, basically. So, and you know, this, this, um, you know, you could, it could just be going for long walks. It could be, um, you know, uh, doing whatever, something you enjoy. That's the most important thing. Um, Good sleep patterns, super important, you know, trying to kind of as much as possible, you know, get good restful sleep, you know, and how you go about doing that. So, for example, yeah, not drinking too much caffeine, um, you know, making sure you don't, um, you know, use screens just before you go to bed, don't stimulate your your brain too much just before you go to sleep all of these things that are kind of you know fairly well understood anyway but you know it's a really important thing again for for people with um, conditions like fibromyalgia um you know and like i said earlier you know if you if, you know for example if you feel tired um rest you know don't don't kind of fight against it because mm -hmm. particularly with fibromyalgia there you know people do feel fatigue um you know um at various points during the day and actually just you know a quick cat nap it can actually be enough to kind of make you feel kind of almost hit that reset button slightly and, you know, make you feel, feel better. Um, mm. I think one of the, the big ones, and this, this is, you know, it's, it's quite a, I mean, for me, I find this a very interesting area and this, then you start to kind of, um, I guess this is, there'll be links through all types, all different types of uh, chronic pain conditions potentially. And that is the, the, I guess the sort of psychological underpinning of what's going on, you know, the, the, the sort of emotional side of things, um, you know, in terms of, I guess when this all started, you know, when fibro with the, the kind of the, the, the symptoms started, if you like, and very commonly, you know, in, in these chronic pain conditions, there will be a, you know, a potential trauma, for example, that could be physical, could be, um, emotional, mental trauma, um, you know, some sort of event. It could be anything from, you know, the, the death of a loved one through to, you know, um, a serious car accident, you know, whatever it might be that there, there are lots of things and it's an extremely difficult area to, um, to research because it's, um, you know, there, there are, aren't really kind of obvious, uh, links necessarily between, you know, you having this trauma and then you having this symptom. Do you see what I mean? You know, historically yeah. there's, there's been people have tried to kind of map this out as best as possible. And this goes back decades. Um, you know, even Freud tried to do it and gave up, I think, after a while because it just, it's, really? you know, it's such a complicated area to, to research basically. Um, so, you know, I mean, for me, I guess as a practitioner, something, and this comes with time as well. This can't be something that necessarily will come out in the first, um, the first session or even, you know, the 10th session. Um, but, you know, 
I guess, talking and potentially asking gentle questions to sort of try and see if there are things that have potentially triggered, you know, from, say, a, a you know, some sort of traumatic event triggered some of these symptoms. And, you know, if I'm not placed uh, to be able, although I've had some training in kind of, um, I guess, how to go about allowing someone to talk about these things. In some cases, obviously, I've I've had to refer people to um, psychotherapists, for example, to you know because actually when we we start to kind of make those links between the um, the sort of mental side of things and the physical and what they're physically feeling, you know, you start to think, well, you know, if we don't address that stuff, it's you know the potentially we're just going to go round and round in circles, um, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's never a one size fits all. So it's, you mm -hmm. sort of have to just see what happens with that particular patient. I mean, I've, I've had some fantastic success with, um, you know, with people that have suffered with painful con pain conditions for very, very long periods of time. And, you know, with, a kind of, um, you know, giving them a platform to basically be able to talk about what they want to talk about, you know, to not feel judged, to, um, you know, have treatment to make, you know, to, to hopefully give them some relief from whatever pain they're in and actually then, you know, start to kind of gradually encourage, you know, changes of, of sort of attitudes, changes of kind of um, approaches um, in terms of their day-to-day -day lives. So that might be doing a bit more exercise. It might be changing their exercise very slightly it might be you know looking at those sleep patterns whatever it might be you know start to kind of get you know those those positive changes and you know ultimately people hopefully end up feeling a bit better as a result mm. oh god so much to know and so much to learn <laughs> i think we would um, we would have to conduct multiple podcasts with you uh, but for now thank you so much my pleasure thank you so so much my massive pleasure um, thank you and uh, i shall speak to you soon thank okay. you then thank you then cheers bye bye Dear listeners, thank you for listening. All suggestions, ratings and comments would be most welcome. See you next time. Bye.